Amen. How's everyone doing this morning? Amen. Amen. Are you grateful you have a God that's fighting your battles this morning? This morning, as we go to the book of Exodus, remain standing in the word of God today. As we go to the book of Exodus, chapter 32, beginning at verse 25, this is what the word of God says. Moses saw that Aaron had let the people get completely out of control. Notice what Moses saw. The Bible says Moses saw that Aaron had let the people get completely out of control. And much to the amusement of the enemies. So he stood at the entrance of the camp and shouted, All of you who are on the Lord's side, come here and join me. And the Levites gathered around him. And Moses told them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Each of you... Take your swords and go back and forth from one end to the end of the other camp. Notice and kill everyone, even your brothers, your friends, your neighbors. The Levites obeyed and Moses commanded about 3,000 people died that day. And Moses told the Levites, today you have ordained yourselves for the service of the Lord. For you obeyed him, even though it meant killing your own sons and brothers. Today, you have earned a blessing. Today, you have earned a blessing. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this morning. And Father, these are difficult times and we're preaching on a difficult subject this morning. And Father, as we continue this teaching series you've blessed us with, I pray that you would help me to preach your word this morning. For anyone here whose lives feel out of control, help us to understand and learn how to regain control by putting you first and being on your side. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat as we continue part two of our sermon series, Out of Control. As I looked at Exodus chapter 32, and I was reading it a few weeks ago, this is one of those passages that I cannot begin to explain why God would allow such a command to go and kill everyone, but as I read this passage, there are two things that stood out for me. One was that Moses was up on the mountain praising God, spending time with God for A very long time. And as Moses came back down from the mountain, what I noticed first is that the Bible says that Moses saw that the people were out of control. Moses saw that the people were out of control. And what really stood out was that the people Moses was talking about was the Israelites. It was God's people. It was the people that were supposed to stand out from the world. It was the people that were supposed to be the example of godliness. It was the people that were supposed to represent what it looks like to serve God. And these were the people that were out of control. Which shows me that you can be a man or a woman of God. We can be in the church today. But I'm telling you, I believe that God is looking down at his church here in this world today. And we are out of control. And there are families and there are marriages and there are people that believe in God and they love God. But their lives are out of control. 
And what really stood out to me also was that their lives were out of control because they really thought that God had abandoned them. They thought that God had forgotten about them. And when Moses was taking too long to come back, they started making all these assumptions. They started complaining. And one thing happened that led their lives to be completely out of control. And this is what the Bible says. The Bible says that Aaron had let them get out of control. And what's so interesting about this is that they started worshiping idols. In other words, they really say, God, you know, we tried it your way and we tried to obey and we were really trying to put you first, but we're not happy. And because we're not happy, we're going to make these other gods and we're going to just take, they're going to take your place. And we're going to worship these other gods and we're going to expect to be blessed. And God quickly reminded us through this passage that the worst mistake you can make if you really want your life to get completely out of control is take control of your own life. Take control of your own life and tell God, I got this. Take control of your own life and tell God you don't need him. Take control of your own life and say, God, I'm going to do it my way. And God is a God that says, go ahead, but I'll see you return. Let me know how that works out. And as they replaced God with this other idol because they weren't happy, their lives got quickly out of control. What's fascinating is that they made this golden idol out of gold that even God had provided for them. And let me teach you a valuable lesson here. It's so amazing how we can make an idol out of the very blessings God has given us. God has given you a job, but that job can become an idol. God has given you the children, and that child can be an idol. God has given you the ability to even have a hobby, and that hobby can become an idol. So the very blessing that God gave them in providing gold for them, they used it and turned it into an idol to get away from God. And there are so many people in the church today that are so far away from God because of the very blessings God has given them. And they took control of their own lives. And as they took control of their own lives and told God, we got this, we don't need you, we're not happy doing it your way, quickly, their lives got out of control. And here's a valuable lesson. When you choose to take your own life in control of your own life, and you're telling God, I can do it without you, you will quickly be reminded why you need God in every area of your life. When you say, God, I'm going to do this on my own, you're going to see a lot of the things in your life fall apart. And I believe that the church in America is falling apart. I believe that the U.S. of A., our country, is falling apart. We have families that are falling apart. We have marriages that are falling apart. We have church leaders that are falling apart because we're choosing to do it our way and to take control of our lives and this is the garbage that's being preached you are in control of your own destiny no you're not god is but we seem to say 
We can do it without him. And God has a way of reminding us that we need him. And as they took control of their own lives, as a result, their lives got out of control. Began to fall apart. This passage reminds me of this game called Jenga. How many of you ever played this Jenga game before? You want to see me not be very pastorly? It's this game. Because it's all, it's amazing though how this game Jenga is a lot like what God does in our lives. You see, before you play, you have to set it up and prepare it. Let me tell you that today, God has set up and prepared your life. God has put everything together for his purpose. God has put all the pieces together for his glory. And God, just like he did for the nation of Israel, he prepared for them a promised land. He prepared for them a blessing. He prepared for them freedom. And even though God has prepared it and set it up, like Jenga, our choices can mess it up. So Jenga is all about making the right choice. How many of you have to make a choice right now? Every day our lives are filled with choices. Every day we're filled with choices of what we're going to do with our children. What are we going to do at work? How are we going to drive? How are we going to live life? Every day we have choices and your choices matter. And the difference between a life of falling apart or staying in place is all about choices. And even though God has set up this amazing promised land, their choices would mess it up. And some choices we made were like, well, that was a good choice. Easy. Right? But how many of you have certain choices? You look back now and say, what was I thinking? And don't look at your spouse when you say this. But see, all of us can look back at choices we made and it was smooth and it was right. But a lot of us can relate to choices that we wish we can go back to and undo. We wish we could go back to and, and fix. And when you're playing Jenga, it's all about choices, just like life. But see, now I want to choose this piece. But you know it's not going to work. But you know why I lose at Jenga all the time? One is because I'm stubborn. Any stubborn people in the house? Let me tell you, in the Bible, people that made a mess of their lives, the Bible says they were stiff-necked, which means stubborn. Doing it my way. I don't care what you say. I don't care. I'm not going to listen to the advice. I know, I know, but I'm going to do it my way. That's what it looks like to take control of your life. Stubbornness. So in my stubbornness, I know I shouldn't, but you know what? I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to take this out. And not only am I stubborn, but we can be prideful. We can say, I know it's not going to fall. I know I can do this. I know nothing's going to happen. 
And in the Bible, the people that made a laugh, a mess of their lives were stubborn and prideful. And they made the worst choices because of pride. And they thought they can do it. And I'm going to do it. But then all of a sudden, things start falling apart. And there's consequences. Your choices not only hurt you, but they hurt your family. They hurt your kids. They hurt the people that trusted you. The people that loved you. But see, you're so stubborn, you're going to do it your way. And I'm going to do it, and I don't care what happens. I'm, I know I can do it. And more destruction. And our choices are leading for us to really make a mess of our lives. And the Israelites were stubborn people. The Israelites were prideful people. And the Israelites were so prideful and stubborn and discontent that they said, we know it's wrong. We know God said not to have idols. We know that we shouldn't be like the world, but we're going to do it anyway. And we know that it's wrong, but we're going to get away with it. And it's fine. And they were prideful and they were stubborn and they made the wrong choice. When I look at so many people's lives, we are destroying what God has prepared. We are ruining the blessings of God. We are ruining the plans and the purposes He has because of our own selfish, stubborn, prideful choices. Your choices matter. And whenever you choose to take life into your hands, and whenever you choose to say, I'm in control, whenever you choose to say, I control my life, no one can tell me what to do, and you become a selfish, self-centered, stubborn, arrogant Christian, you're headed for disaster. And your choices are not only ruining what God has prepared. Your choices are ruining the blessings he's given you. God has blessed you with a spouse, but your choices are ruining your marriage. God has blessed you with children, but your choices are raising them wrong. God has blessed you with life, but your choices are ruining it. And when it comes to your choices, when it comes to your life, you have to do it God's way in order for it to remain, in order for it to stand, in order for it to remain intact. But sometimes God's way is not easy. Sometimes God's way is difficult. And sometimes we're not going to like doing it God's way because have you read this book? It's not easy to love your enemies. It's not easy to forgive. It's not easy to serve. It's not easy to give. It's not easy to put God first all the time. But it will bless you. But so many of us are out of control because we want to take control of our own lives. And we make all these choices that ruin the blessings of God. 
Is this what your life looks like? Let me explain something to you. When it comes to choices, it's so much easier to destroy this. It's so much easier to make it fall apart than it is to actually build it up. Remember this. Because it's so much easier to destroy and bring down than it is to bring up. It's so much easier. It could take a lifetime to build a good reputation and one choice to destroy it. It could take a lifetime to be financial stable and financially blessed and one choice to destroy it. You look at people like King David who had a reputation of being a man after God's own heart and one choice ruined that. One night, one woman, one desire changed it. You talk about the prodigal son whose one bad financial choice ruined the rest of his life. You think about Abram who had a marriage for years and one choice to sleep with the servant ruined his marriage for life. You think about Samson who had the reputation of being strong in the Lord and one choice to date the wrong person. Ruin that. Or even Samson's parent, their choice not to intervene in Samson's life because he's an adult, he can do what he wants. Their choice in parenting ruined Samson's life. You think about a man named Cain in the Bible. He was angry. How many of us have ever been angry? But the Bible says in your anger, do not sin. But Cain did not listen. And one choice out of anger to kill his brother set his life apart. And he destroyed and divided his family. Or even Esau, who God had set up to be blessed and have this inheritance. But one moment to get one meal from his brother. This is in the Bible. He was hungry and he chose to say, if you give me that lunch, I will give you my birthright. And at the moment, it felt great. He was eating that meal. It was amazing. It was tasty. It was everything he wanted. But when the meal was over, the consequences showed up. And there is a moment that sin feels amazing and it's great and you choose to do it. And for that moment, you're thinking you're getting away with it. For that moment, that sin is appetizing. But when it's over, the consequences come. And this is what's happening to us. When you're making choices, you have to consider. You have to plan. And you have to ask yourself, does it honor God? But see, most of the choices we've made that have really hindered our lives, we look back and we know it did not honor God. You saw the warning signs. You heard the advice. But again, we're stubborn. We're prideful. And we want to take control of our own lives. And what's so sad about the Israelites is that rather than living in God's best, they chose to destroy their life. Rather than being patient and doing it God's way, 
their choice destroyed their future. Rather than just say, let's just do it God's way. Their stubborn, prideful choice to take life into their own hands did more harm than good. And maybe right now there's a situation in your life you're tempted to take control of. A situation, a person, something. You're saying, God, step aside. I got this. Let me know how that goes for you. Because rather than living in God's best and experiencing the blessing that he prepared for them, Their choices led them to have a life that was out of control. And as a pastor, I have the the privilege, sometimes the privilege, of sitting down with people. And they tell me, Pastor, my life's out of control. Let me tell you, if your life is out of control, you're not going to like this, but i got to say it anyway. Verse 25. Let's read this together. So the Bible says, Moses saw that Aaron had let. Say that with me. Come on, say it. Moses saw that Aaron had let let the people get completely out of control. If your life is out of control, here's what the Bible shows us. We learned last Sunday that some of life's circumstances are out of your control. You can't control what happens. You can't control what people do or what people say. But we learned last week that you can't control how you choose to react to it. But let me also tell you this part. Some of the mess in your life, some of the out-of-control situations, you let it happen. It was your choice. You allowed it. That's what that word led literally means. A choice you made and something you allowed. So I sit down with people and they tell me in tears, my life is out of control. My kids are out of control. My finances are out of control. My emotions are out of control. And deep down in my little pastor heart, I say to myself, well, you let it happen. Your choices. Some of the pain and the struggle in your life were in your control. But you allowed it. Some of the pain and the struggle in your life you let happen. Could have been avoided. But because of your choices that maybe were led out of being stubborn, or prideful. You now have a mess in your hands. And people wait till it's too late to say, I could have stopped it. Don't wait to get divorced to realize you could have made choices to save your marriage. Amen? Amen. Don't wait for your kids to grow up and want nothing to do with God and be completely out of the church to say, wow, I should have raised them better in the church. 
Don't wait for that habit to become an addiction that goes completely out of control to say, man, I wish I never even tried it. Don't wait to lose your job, to lose your health, to lose the blessings of God, to look back and realize, I allowed it. I could have done something. Maybe you're here this morning and you're saying, is it too late for me? Let me ask you a question. Are you alive? And it's not too late. Come on, give God some praise for that. It's not too late. Yeah, because here's the thing. When it comes to your choices, you have control of that. God in His Holy Spirit has given you the power of self-control. You have the ability in the Lord to make the right choices to lead to a godly life. But sadly, so many people are falling apart because we're simply saying, God, I want to do it my way. And in our selfishness, in our stubbornness, and in our pride, we continue to live in sin. We continue to make wrong choices that we know are hurting ourselves and our lives. And we continue to go on that path because we really don't think it's going to happen to us. But don't let life fall apart for then for you to say, I could have avoided. Your choices can change your life. For the bad, or even for the good. Nehemiah 2.20 tells us, it says that the God of heaven will give us success. Where does success come from? From God. Success is not your 401k. Success is not your degree on the wall. Success is not the house you live in, the car you drive, the clothes you wear. God says success comes from me. The God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, that's us, will start to rebuild. See, even if right now your life has fallen apart because of your choices, And you're looking back and you're saying, I should have avoided this. I should have done that. I could have done that. I shouldn't have ever done this. God says, well, what are you going to do now? When the people of Israel saw that their lives were out of control and they were falling apart, God brought them back to say, you can rebuild it. Because God in His mercy says, when your life is falling apart, you can always come back to me. You could always return to me. But when you return to me, you need to start to rebuild. You can't just tell God, fix my life. You can't tell God, put it back together. God says, you need to first return to me, and then it starts with you. What choices are you going to start making different? To rebuild what your choices have destroyed. You guys getting this this morning? God says, it starts with you. If your relationship with God has fallen apart, God says, return to me. 
If your family is falling apart, God says, first, return to me. And start rebuilding. Little by little. Choices by choice. Let me help you rebuild your life. By first saying it starts with God. You can never rebuild your life away from God. And you're going to realize this. Our country's going to realize this. God says, you go ahead, you do what you need to do. But when your life falls apart, if you want to rebuild it, you got to come back to me. When you come back to me, it starts with you. It starts with you. Do you want your life to continue the way it's going? Do you want to continue to be miserable and upset and ruin the blessings of God? Do you want to die and be in heaven and look back at your life and realize that God could have given you so much more? But you are too stubborn and too prideful to let God take control. Where have your choices led you? Right now you're saying, well, Pastor, I want to rebuild my life. I want to get back with the Lord. That's where it starts. But I want to also teach you three steps. Three choices you have to make. If your life is out of control, how to regain control of that life. You guys ready? Verse 21 and verse 22. Choice number one. Finally, he turned to Aaron and demanded, and notice what Aaron said. What did these people do to you to make you bring such terrible sin upon them? Moses asked Aaron, what did you do to let everything get out of control? And Aaron said this, "Ah, don't get upset, my Lord. You yourselves know how evil these people are. If you want to rebuild your life, choice number one, stop blaming everyone. Stop blaming everyone. Stop passing the blame. Aaron refused to take responsibility for his actions, and he just bypassed it by saying, you and I both know these people are evil. And see, this is a a generation we're living in now that just wants to pass blame and take no responsibility. Everything's falling apart. Everything's out of control. And the first thing out of people's mind is, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. Our current administrations blame the last one. Our last administration, guess who he blamed? The last one. Hundreds of years. We just blame the people before us. We want to blame our family. We want to blame our culture. We want to blame our race. You know I'm Cuban, so you know I got temper. We want to blame our childhood. We just want to pass blame. Why? Because passing blame makes us feel innocent. 
But here's the truth. You're not innocent. Well, but what about them? Forget them. What about you? It makes us feel innocent, and it makes us feel like a victim. Aaron felt like a victim. You know the people. They're evil. Adam did it with Eve. God said, what happened? Everything's out of control. You made a mess. Well, God, the truth is, it's kind of your fault. It's the wife you gave me. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Talk to her. Eve, what did you do? Well, God, the devil. Isn't that what we do? Can I tell you that not taking responsibility, passing blame, it does nothing to fix the problem. It does nothing to heal. It does nothing to repair. Proving that you're right and they're wrong will do nothing. But when you take responsibility, God can begin to do the repairing. When you take responsibility, that's what repentance is. It's a change of mind that causes you to turn away from your sins. Because I want to be clear about something. You can blame the life you had. You can blame your childhood where you grew up. You can blame the people, society, the government, God. You can blame the church. Boy, do we blame the church. So many people blame the church for their lack of spiritual growth. And you know that at the end of your life, in the day of judgment, the Bible says you have to give an account for or yourself. You can go ahead and blame everyone, but the responsibility falls on you. And what's interesting about passing blame, when Adam passed blame on Eve and Eve passed blame on the devil, can I tell you, they weren't lying. They were telling the truth. It was Eve. It was the devil. It was Adam. It was God. But you know what? Remember this, church. The wrong choices of others will never justify the wrong choices you're making. The wrong choices other people have made will never justify the wrong choices you're making. And so many of us want to justify our wrong choices because of the wrong choices of others. And God said, no, you have to give an account for yourself. You can't blame the parents. You can't blame the church. You can't blame the food you eat. You can't blame the people. You can't do any of that. If you want to see your life get rebuilt and back to God and blessed, you got to get along with God and take ownership of your choices. Like David said when he repented, against you and only you have I sinned. And that is why God forgave him and restored him and rebuilt his life. Because David did not say it was Bathsheba. Why does a homegirl got to shower in the rooftop like that? I was stressed. I was tired. I was lonely. He said, Lord, I did this. 
Aaron started blaming. But notice that God called him the sinner. Because God is looking at you, not them. Verse 23, another choice you've got to stop making besides blame. He said, they said to me, make us gods who will lead us. Because we don't know what happened to Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. The second reason that Aaron allowed the life to get out of control was because his excuse of they. The second choice you need to make is to stop compromising. Aaron as a leader should have stood up for what was right. Aaron as a man of God should have stood up for what God said. But Aaron chose, he chose to please people rather than God. And he began to compromise because when those people came to him and said, hey, make us gods, the first thing in Aaron's mind was, this is wrong. You shouldn't do this. But then the second thing in Aaron's mind was, what if they get mad at me? What if they don't accept me? What if they kill me? And he fell under the pressure to be accepted, to avoid strife. And he chose not to honor God. Do you believe, church, we're living in compromising times? Where our society is now getting us to a point to put us under this pressure to choose God? Or them? And sadly, so many people in the church are compromising in order to be accepted, not rejected and approved. And we begin to compromise with our own family members who aren't saved. We begin to compromise at work with friends. We begin to compromise with the world. We have parents that compromise with their children in order to avoid strife and keep them happy. But you were never called to make your children happy. You were called to make them godly. But we're just compromising and people-pleasing. And we become more fearful of people than God. And God said, do not fear people who can simply kill your body. Fear me who can throw you into hell. But we get so caught up of, well, what if they don't like me? And, and what if they reject me? And what if they get mad? But all around us are ungodly people, ungodly friends, ungodly family member. And you have to choose who you're going to serve. But Aaron... He fell under the pressure. In Proverbs 21, I mean, sorry, 29, 25. It says, fearing people is a dangerous trap. You know what a trap does? It takes away your freedom. 
And when you choose to fear people, you're choosing to sacrifice your freedom in God. But he says, but trusting in the Lord, notice, trusting in the Lord means safety. But Aaron had a fear of people that caused him to compromise his convictions. And there's a lot of people today who are making bad choices out of the fear of people and pleasing them. 1 Thessalonians 2.14 says this, says it this way in 2.4. For we speak as messengers approved by God. This is, notice, we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. So it's Paul speaking. Our purpose is to please God, not people. Our purpose is to please God, not people. He alone examines the motives of our hearts. You know why Paul was so successful in the ministry and why God used him to do so many magnificent things for the kingdom of God is because his motive was always to put God first over people. He said, I will not be afraid of people. I will not seek the approval of people. I will live my life for God, who already approves me. So many of us, we, we live in this pressure to tell people and show people how great we are in order to get them to validate us and like us. And so we have to post these pictures and look like we're happy and we have to buy this and live here and do this. Why? Because we need to show people we're happy. We're normal. So we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to please people we don't like. It's a trap, everyone. It's a trap. And Aaron trapped himself and ruined his life with the simple choice of blaming and compromise. Choice number three, verse 24. Passing blame won't rebuild your life. Compromising won't, blame, won't rebuild your life. In verse 24, it's like Moses was giving him chances. Hey, tell me the truth. So I told them, this is Aaron, whoever has gold jewelry, take it off. When they brought it to me, I simply threw it in the fire and out came this calf. It's in the Bible. You know what he said? It just happened. I don't know what happened. For all I know is I asked people for gold, I threw it in the fire, and no, this thing came out. Moses must have thought, are you insane? It just happened. But you know that people are that crazy? They look at their lives out of control and they're, Lives falling apart and everything's a mess. And they convince themselves it, it just happened. You know what that is called? And here's your third choice. Choice number three, don't be in denial. 
So many of us are living in denial that our lives are out of control. And, and it just happened. It just, it just happened. It just showed up. But can I tell you that a lot of the mess in your life did not just happen. It happened first with a choice. It happened first with a compromise. And God wants to rebuild your life, but you sit there in denial. And you can never ask God to fix what you're in denial of. And so many people are in denial. I'm, I'm okay, I'm fine, I'm happy, I'm spiritual. And you're in denial that you're not. Oh, I love God. And you're in denial that you don't. And our lives are out of control, but like Aaron, we just think it just happens. But out of control doesn't just happen. It's a choice. You don't just wake up and say, hey, we're getting divorced today, right? Yeah, honey. Choices. You don't just walk away from God. People that were in the church and worshiping and excited for Bible study and just in the church. And now it's like pulling teeth to get you back. And you don't even read your Bible anymore. You don't really worship anymore. That didn't just happen. You did not just wake up cold with God. It was a choice. Eh, I'll skip church today. Eh, I won't read the Bible today. Oh, I won't fellowship with them today. And the choices became a habit, and a habit became a lifestyle. Out of control doesn't just happen. Addictions don't just happen. It's a choice. But like Aaron, as long as Aaron continued to blame and compromise, and be in denial, God could do nothing. And church, if your life is out of control, you can sit here and blame everyone. Blame me. You can sit here and continue to compromise and please people. Or even be in denial that it just happens. It's just life. But until you own up and take responsibility to your choices, and realize you are where you are with God and life because of your choices. God can do nothing. So God just gave him this, this chance. Verse 26 through 28, God said, So he stood at the entrance of the camp and shouted. He shouted to everyone who are out of control. All of you, notice, God's grace extended to all of them because it doesn't matter how out of control your life is. Grace can reach you. God can reach you. And Aaron stood out and he heard that call but did nothing. God told Moses, you shout this to everyone, all of you who are on the Lord's side. 
come here and join me. You know what God was saying in love and mercy? You're out of control. Your life is falling apart. But even you right now can come and join me. You can come on my side and still be blessed. God doesn't care what you've done, how long you've been doing it. God is just asking you right now, will you join me and be on my side? And all the Levites, interesting, all the Levites, out of all the 12 tribes, only one said, we'll join you. We'll, we'll, we'll join you, God. Because the Levites were there, they were guilty. They were out of control with the rest of them. But you know what was different between the Levites and the rest of them? They wanted something different. And they said, God, we'll come to you. We'll join you. But then God said something interesting. Take a sword. Kill your friends, your family, your neighbors. Don't ask me to explain why this happened. Please, don't come after this. Can you explain that? Listen, no. Can you imagine? Because God said, the Levites, notice, the Bible says the Levites gathered and they said, we'll join you. We'll be on your side. You know what's interesting? Anyone can do that. Can we not gather and say we're on the Lord's side? Anyone can do that. But God said, I want you to demonstrate it. That's where the real Christians are separated. Because we have a lot of people in the church that love to gather, love to say we're on the Lord's side, but when it comes time to demonstrate, they say, no, not us. I'm not willing to cut things. I'm not willing to stop things. I'm not willing to stop that. No, no. I'll be on your side, but don't ask me to give anything up. Can you imagine when God told them, get your sword, kill your family, your children, your neighbor, your friends that aren't with you? You know what I notice about this? The neighbors, family, the friends represent people that are closest to you. And when those Levites got the sword and they showed up at their friend's house who was out of control, they showed up and saw their children who was out of control. Let me tell you something. This is hard to explain, but you know what? What really motivated me about this? Now, I don't want to end up in the news and say, Pastor told church to kill people. Please, I'm not saying that. Don't go to home, honey, you got to go. You know, nothing like that. Please, I'm not asking you to do that. But you know what I am asking you to do? Because as those family members and friends and neighbors were being chopped up, killed, you know what all those family members and friends and neighbors knew? 
They were serious about God. Do the people closest to you know you're serious when it comes to God? Hey parents, do your children know you're serious when it comes to God? Do your friends know you're serious when it comes to God? Because maybe today you have to leave this church this morning and say, God, there are people, there are things, there are habits, there are choices I need to cut from my life. It's like this orange here, and we'll close with this. A lot of us are like this orange. When I, in my opinion, when I look at the church today and a lot of believers... They're shallow. This orange is on the surface of the water. And half of it, or a little bit of half of it, is out of the water, and the rest is kind of in the water. You see that half? And that's how a lot of us are today with God. We just want to be half with you, God. We want halfway in the world, halfway in the church. And they never experience God to the fullest. They never experience this deep relationship with God because they want this shallow relationship of being in between the world and in between God. That's what the Israelites wanted. We, we want to be blessed by God. We want to follow you, God, but we want to be like Egypt. We want to be like the other pagan nations. We want to be in both. And God says, you can't. And there are so many shallow Christians that as soon as they say, I'm going deep, I'm going deep with God, you just, you just come back to where you were. I'm going to start going to church more. And then you just, you just come back. I'm going to pray more. You come back. Oh, I'm going to read my Bible more. And you come back. I want to get deeper with God. And you stay shallow. It's just there. The Levites, when they demonstrated this, God says, you've earned the blessing. You know what that blessing was? The Levites were the only people allowed to enter the inner courts of the temple. In other words, they experienced the presence of God like no one else. They got deeper with God because of this one choice to kill their family members, their friends and neighbors. In other words, the choice they made to be on the Lord's side and be serious about it got them in a deeper relationship with God. What do you want for your life, church? You want to come here on Sunday, time and time again, back in the same sin, same life, same, just just shallow? You want to say, Lord, I want to get deeper with you. God says, great. You need to get rid of this relationship. (gasps) I like them. You need to quit that job. But I need money. You, You might have to get rid of that habit. Get rid of this attitude. That that sin has to go already. It takes time. 
choice by choice, God begins to remove like he did the Levites. You got to remove those friends. You got to remove those children. You got to remove that family member. You got to remove this. You got to cut this. You got to cut that. And what's interesting, as they cut, they got deep with God and stayed there. The reason the church remains shallow is because we say we want to get deeper with God. We say we want to really experience God and His blessing and His goodness, but we don't want this. Lord, I want to get deeper with you, but don't ask me to give up my sin. Lord, I want to get deeper with you, but I want to stay living in sin. Lord, I want to get deeper with you, but I want to stay living with them. I want to stay watching this. I want to stay hearing this. I want to stay with those people. I want to stay in this sin. And God says, do it. But you're missing out. But if you would just say, God, no more blame. No more compromise. No more denial. Lord, my life is out of control and do with me what you need to to experience the fullness of the life you died for me to have. So you're going to leave this church today already making a choice to stay shallow or start getting deeper. You're going to make a choice today without even knowing. You're either going to choose to give your life to Jesus Or walk away and choose not to. You're going to choose to say, I'm a believer already, but you're a shallow one. And if your life is out of control, remember that grace extends to everyone. It's your choice. With every head bowed and every eye closed today, Maybe God is saying here right now, this message is for you. Your life is out of control. Your kids are out of control. Your finances are out of control. Your emotions are out of control. Your marriage is out of control. Will you continue to pass blame? Will you continue to compromise? Will you continue to be in denial? Or will you say, Lord, rebuild me? Cut away what doesn't honor you. Because I want to get deeper with you. And it is your choice. So I want to extend this prayer to two people today. Two groups of people. And if you're here this morning or you're watching online and you want to make the choice once and for all to stop playing games in life and stop playing games with God and choose to give your life to Jesus Christ who died on the cross for your sins, who did the removing for you so that you can have a deeper more intimate relationship with God the Father so that you can enter the kingdom of heaven. It is your choice today. But God will not force you. And if this is you today, I want to lead you in this prayer. If this is you, you put your hand up right now. If you're in the room, don't be embarrassed. Don't be shy. This is your eternity we're talking about. If you're here today, you're listening online, you as well, you stop what you're doing, you pray this with me. You say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. 
I will blame no one. I will not deny it. I am a sinner in need of forgiveness, in need of salvation. And today I acknowledge my sin before you and surrender it to you, Jesus, who died on the cross for those sins. And today I choose to surrender to you. Save me in Jesus' name. And if you're here this morning, you're saying, Pastor, I'm a Christian, but I'm shallow. My relationship with God is not deep. I'm making wrong choices. I'm passing blame. I'm compromising. I'm in denial. Only you and God know the truth. Only you and God know whether you're shallow in between the world and church. Grace extends to you today too. Because maybe your life is falling apart because of those choices to know better, but choose wrong. Maybe God is telling you this message today because your life is on the verge of falling apart. And he's giving you one last chance. Whatever choices you've made in Jesus' name can be forgiven. And the Lord can begin to rebuild, but it starts with you. And if you're here this morning and your absolute God-given prayer is, Lord, rebuild me. He will know exactly what you mean. You put that hand up today, church. God bless you. God bless you all across the room today. Let's all stand to our feet and pray together as a church. Father, thank you, Lord, for this message today. Father, today, we will not blame. We will not compromise. We will not be in denial. But Father, our choices have led us to fall apart and miss out on your blessings. And I pray, Lord, like the Levites, we would choose today not just to gather, not just say we're on your side, but to demonstrate it by not what we do, but what we're willing not to do anymore, by what we're willing to remove from our lives. And I pray for anyone here today or online that their lives are out of control, Lord, that you would enable us to have the strength like the Levites did to remove and cut and take drastic measures to honor you again in our lives. Father, we want to see and experience the deepness of a relationship with you. We want to see the blessings and the promises you have prepared for us. But Father, we ask as a church and as your people and as a nation to forgive us, Lord for the choices we've made, for taking control of our lives and our stubbornness and in our pride, doing it without you. Restore us, O Lord, and rebuild us, O Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Give God some praise this morning. Amen.